Uh, great to see you all. I feel like at the end of a day like today, um, the people who make it to the 3.30 session are the long haulers. So um, I entitled this a lighthearted look at Myers-Briggs um, because that's what it is. And if you are looking for like a super deep scientific research information, um, there are a lot of good books that I can recommend for you to read if you're not going to be doing that. Um, and I am hopeful that some of you maybe have a ton of background and information about Myers-Briggs and maybe you have no information about it before and you just were looking for something that might fit something you'd be interested in. So I, my hope is that this kind of branches wherever you're at in terms of what you might know already about Myers-Briggs. So um, I would love to pray to open us up and then we can go from there. So uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you made us um, different and unique and that you have... Um, beauty in the body of Christ and us operating in different ways. And we pray that you would help us to continue to learn different ways that we can love and appreciate each other and our coworkers and our families and our students and um, help us to be able to better embrace and see other people the way that you do. And um, thanks for different personality things and the ways that it can open our eyes to see the ways that you've uh, created us uniquely. In your name, amen. Um, so... I wanted to start with this passage from Romans, um, and then I'll kind of tell you basically what I think kind of the order of how we're going to go through things, and there's room for questions and stuff at the end. But um, Romans 12, 9 through 13 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Um, and this is, I mean, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, and I feel like it's so full of stuff. But when I think about loving other people sincerely, sometimes I just feel like people are sincerely annoying. And um, Myers-Briggs has helped me as a tool to better understand other people. And I think when we misunderstand other people, that it is easier for me to default to a position of not love than of love, um, and that knowing or better understanding things about other people can help us give more grace in situations when we might default to think that somebody is purposefully doing something to hurt our feelings or to bother us or to be annoying. And the reality is there are people who are purposefully doing things to hurt us, um, but that isn't always what's happening. And so... Um, Myers, I learned first learned about Myers-Briggs when I was in college, and it gave language and understanding around particularly like family relationships that had been really stressful. Um, and like I grew up in a single parent home, and my mom and I are completely opposite on Myers-Briggs. And when I learned more about it, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Um, and it really helped restore some things in our relationship, and it's helped me as I've grown too. So. Um, this pink piece of paper is, has a lot of information that's going to be on these slides. Um, and I'm gonna, sorry, because I only made 50 copies of these, and I think we might be to the tail end, but I know you people, so I'll email you. <laughs> um, before I launch into all of the details, can you just give me like a, a 1 to 10 of how familiar you are with Myers-Briggs? 1 being like I've never really heard of it before, and 10 being like I've done a lot of study or whatever. I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. Okay, cool. Great. Um, so, um, 
The, the baseline is Myers-Briggs was developed by a mother-daughter team in the mid-20th century, and it's based on Carl Jung's psychological type. Um, there is a ton of research and information about, like, it's a scientifically reliable and valid assessment. There's all sorts of things. Um, Post-college, I was obsessed with Myers-Briggs, and someone said, you could become a consultant and be trained in Myers-Briggs, and I was like, people do that? So I went to like a week-long training, and they did a whole day long of information about the research and the study in the background. You can look it up online, and it's great, but like at the end of the day, it is not really what's probably going to be the most practical, useful, applicable for our classes. So uh, here's sort of some baseline agreements that I wanted to start with. Um, there are, um, sometimes people say, like, I don't like Myers-Briggs because it puts you in a box. Um, the tool does not put you in a box. When people misuse it, you can certainly feel like you've been put in a box, but the tool itself isn't doing that. And when it's used correctly and appropriately, I think it can be super helpful for us. Um, so here's some kind of, like, background for, and honestly, probably the people who are in here, you don't feel boxed in because you would have chosen another sectional somewhere else, but in case you hear somebody saying those things to you, um, I think that there are, unfortunately, times or situations where people have really misused it and it has been hurtful um, in a variety of ways. I think that in my life it has been super helpful and beneficial, especially um, in better understanding, like, some colleagues and students. Um, I, on, um, well, I was wondering if he's not in here, but uh, our administrator to me the other day said, um, how do you always know what's going to happen? And I was like, well, <laughs> like, when you know things about people's preferences or tendencies, you can better predict how things might roll out in a certain situation. So from like at the end of the school day, that teacher is for sure going to forget to release their kids on time. So if you want everybody else on time, you might want to stop in her room at 3 or 5 when she's supposed to let kids out five minutes ago. <laughs> and... It, that happened. And where it's in, in order, I think, ways that we can honor other people, um, it's not an excuse. And so if, if we are using it to say, because we're going to talk about preferences and you're going to talk about, you're going to make a choice in four different slots between two letters, and I'll go over that more specifically. But when we use things about a, a personality tool to excuse sin in our life, it's absolutely not fine, or the way that it was intended to be used. Um, and or, like, hopefully we're all growing in different ways. And so there are things that are my preference, but just because it's my preference doesn't mean that it's right for me to operate in that all the time. And so if you, like, hopefully this is a tool. As I've grown, um, Myers-Briggs would say your true type never changes. Who I am today and who I was when I first learned about Myers-Briggs has shifted and changed because I've better understood some of my own liabilities based on my natural preferences. And so... There are times where I have to put in some like fail-safes because I know things that are probably going to happen in terms of my preferences. Um, when used correctly, it's never an excuse to say, like, well, I'm just, I'm always late, that's how I am. Um, there are times where it's okay to be late and then whatever, that's fine. But there are also times where it's not fine um, culturally or professionally or a variety of different things. And so to better understand it and not use it as an excuse. Uh, two, no type is better or worse. Um, sometimes when people learn about Myers-Briggs, they're like, what if I'm the bad one? Um, there's not a bad one. Um, and I would say all the different, so it ends up, you end up with like 16 different types, and um, all of the types have things that would more likely be 
become like an asset and more likely to be a liability. And so better understanding your type and the assets and the liabilities, I think, can help a lot. Um, this is just number three. It's just one tool. Um, anytime that we act like anything is the be-all, end-all besides the gospel, then I think we're out of line. So I think sometimes people like want it to be more than what it is. Um, there's tons of different personality things, like Enneagram, if you're familiar with that, has become, like, everyone loves talking about Enneagram, and I love Enneagram, too, um, or whatever, there's BuzzFeed quizzes on, like, what to say, sorry, anytime, like, so there's so many different ways that we can learn and understand stuff about personality and ourselves, this is one tool of one thing, um, and hopefully it can be helpful, but it is not um, the beginning and end of our whole lives, um, and it's looking at preferences, so, if you um, were to take your pencil and somewhere on your paper or pencil or pen or whatever you're writing with, um, or if you have a notebook, uh, if you write your first name somewhere on there with your right hand and then write it with your left hand. Okay, so you have a preference for writing with your right hand or your left hand. Some people have a very clear preference. Some people have a less clear preference. If you practiced over time, your, 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 the, the difference between your right hand and your left hand might be different. Okay, we're going to talk about uh, preferences. And so when you think about it, if you're thinking of, this is like, um, we're going to go through the different slots, the four different slots, and you're going to choose one of two letters. So at the top of there, on the front side, you see where it has like the E or I, S or N, T or F, J or P. Do you see that part? And then the, there's a line underneath. Okay. I'm going to describe through them and give you some examples and some anecdotal stories. As I'm describing, if you can choose which one you think sounds more like you, okay? Some of you aren't going to have a clear preference on all of them. Some of you are going to start to hear it and you'll be like, Pam's not an extrovert. Like, and you'll probably say it out loud to the person next to you. <laughs> so this is like, this is, um, sometimes people get really stuck because they're like, well, one time when I was in fourth grade, this one thing happened. Don't do like based on the one-off random situation. When you say what well, your most comfortable self, what would be, would be your general preference overall. Um, and then the other thing is, um, there's tons of reading and I'll have some resources that I can give you as suggestions. You can look up. There's so much stuff online about Myers-Briggs and so you can read stuff um, at another time or I'm happy to, like sometimes at the end of it people are like, I think I might be this one or this one. And you can read between the two different types and it more often will come to light one that is more clearly you. Um, is everybody good? Okay, so I'm going to start with extrovert and introvert. What's on the screen is the same thing that's down here in these boxes. And so if you are needing to visually kind of look through any of those things, I'm going to say more than just what's on the screen because there's more stories and stuff I can put in there, but I know that I need to process and visual sometimes. So. Um, the first slot is either extrovert or introvert. I think this is probably the one that people are most commonly misunderstood on what they are. 
So this is not whether or not you are a loud person. Um, this is where do you get your energy from. Extroverts in general get their energy from spending time around other people. Introverts in general get their energy from spending time alone or getting, they get recharged. So when I'm with, I'm an extrovert, if you can't tell. So when I'm with people, I'm like, I come home after being with people and I'm like, like so, I'm so amped up. Um, I know other people who are great and friendly and wonderful and they hit their mass much sooner and they need to spend time alone to recharge. Um, in general, um, extroverts act or talk and then maybe think. Um, in general, introverts think and then maybe act. Um, extroverts are quick to share lots of things about themselves with other people. Introverts are more private or slow or careful to share things about themselves. Um, extroverts can have tons of interests and lots more um, like friends or social networks. Sometimes those are more shallow. Introverts tend to have a smaller amount of those that go deeper. And that would be in terms of people and um, interests. Um, as an extrovert, I used to like share way too much about myself with other people. And I had to learn like, oh, this is maybe not appropriate or I don't need to, whatever. Um, I'm also, as an extrovert, we were, I've talked about this with coworkers, but it was like, I'm in a store and people will come up to me and be like, do you think that this shirt matches with these pants? And it's like, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> but somebody, and I'm like, sure, let me come over there and look at it with you, great. Um, and, I, and I love it. Um, one of them is not better than the other. I have a coworker who is very, um, great in front of people, um, but definitely needs introverted time to recharge. Um, I think that this is like sometimes the students that at recess choose to spend time by themselves. Um, and sometimes adults who don't understand them are like, mm, this is so unhealthy, this is so bad, they never are with their friends. Um, are there times where kids need help making social connections? Absolutely. Are there times where somebody just needs to recharge by themselves with a book and that's totally fine and probably more honoring to who they are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, in the summers, volunteer at a camp and there was, uh, I was a counselor for one of the weeks and there was one day where we were at a beach and this camper who was in my cabin was like off sitting on the beach journaling by herself and another adult who I do not think understands Myers Briggs <laughs> came over and was like, I'm really worried about Lauren. And I'm like, you are? She's like, look at over there. She's just all by herself. She's really distanced herself. She's, you should go check on her. And I was like, I know her. She's fine. They're like, you know, whatever. So I was like, okay, fine. So I like went in. It was just like, hope you enjoy journaling. Later, I was like, hey, how was that? And she was like, that was the best 20 minutes of my day. She's like, I just needed, she's like, I love me on the beach with all those people, but just to like have some time to journal and be by myself, she's like, that was just so good. Um, and so I think when we can ask questions or look at situations, one isn't better than the other. There are sometimes, I would say, in a group with students, sometimes we have to encourage students to say, if you are the person who always is the first to talk in your group, maybe that means today you hold back for a minute. I'm much more quick to fill the quiet space, and that's not always a good thing. If you are more introverted and you're going to think and then maybe talk, your group might be missing out on some of the things that you have to share or what you want to think of, or like positive input for the group. Um, in groups that I'm in, sometimes people who I know who are very introverted but very thoughtful, um, I might say, hey, so-and-so, is there something you'd like to add in to what we're talking about? Um, and I would say, 
giving people who are have an introverted preference space and time to say what they want to say is a way to honor them and a way that the whole group kind of can benefit from what they're saying. Um, as an extrovert, like it's there are there are times where I like just run my mouth and I need to close it. <laughs> and there, as, a, as an introvert, there are times where you have really valuable things to say, but you haven't shared them with the group and they don't know what you're thinking because you've only thought it and you haven't said it. Um, do people feel like you could make a preference between E or I? Okay, go ahead and jot down on that line. If you're not sure, you can put a question mark, and honestly, based on some of the other preferences, some of you are going to be really quick to choose, and some of you are going to want to analyze it a little bit more. If you could just choose one or the other, you're not, this is not stuck forever, we're not putting this, like, in Jumbotron or whatever. Like, the, you're just saying, in general, right now, if I had to choose one, I might be this. Um, if you think you have an extroverted tendency, raise your hand. Okay. Extrovert? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys, if you have, think you have an introverted tendency, can you raise your hand? Okay. Cool. Awesome. Um, I would say like extroverted people are sometimes the ones at the staff meeting that cannot shut their mouths. And, <laughs> and as an extrovert, like to like I think that part of honoring people or understanding is it does not mean that we just say, oh, they're extroverted. They should just talk as much as they want. Um, I'm an extrovert, and I have a friend who I have said to before, like, you cannot sit next to me if you're going to run your mouth in my ear the whole time. I have to be able to listen, and I cannot do it while you are buzzing in my ear. And she's like, okay, okay. But I really like to talk about it as it's happening. And so then I like, and I'm like, cool, find someone else, because I cannot do that. So I think understanding that like, even to give process space, and I would say even, like, because introverts need or benefit from time to think and then talk, when I'm going to ask a question to my class, if I can put it on the board and say, hey, in a little bit we're going to be talking about this, if it requires more thinking, right? Like some questions you don't need to do that with. But if there's something that's going to, people would benefit from knowing ahead of time, if they can come in and see that question and have a little process space, that's huge. Or if you can say, hey, tomorrow something we're going to be talking about is blank. I can talk as an extrovert without actually knowing what I need. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get there eventually. And, I, and like 50% of the stuff I've said, I maybe didn't need. And then I probably not at the end. But like, <laughs> and it's something I've tried to work on. But is it better or worse? Not necessarily. But can I give think space to an introvert so that I don't only ever hear from extroverts in my class? Are we okay for EI? Okay. Uh, so the next one is sensory or sensing or intuitive. Intuitive also starts with an I and so did introvert. So then it goes to the second letter with the N, if that makes sense. Um, this is one that I feel like sometimes people have more trouble identifying. Um, and that's okay. And it's we can choose one and then we'll come back to it. And you can read different descriptions online and I feel like it kind of sorts itself out. But so um, in general, sensors or sensing is more concrete, literal thinkers. And N, or intuitive, is more abstract, big picture thinkers. Um, people with an S preference prefer handling practical matters. They like things that are definite and measurable. They need specific details and information in order to process information. I'm looking at a coworker who I know that's true for. <laughs> um, um, so they can seem very like literal minded. They need details to be able to understand the process or the what's happening. 
people with an uh, N preference are looking for patterns. They're like more dreamers, big picture. And it, it could be like looking for within patterns within systems or patterns within personality or relationships or things like that. Um, I have an N preference. My mom has an S preference. So when I was younger and I would say like, here's my idea, and it was like very idealistic and practical, or it could be. And she would tell me all the reasons why it wouldn't work. Um, and I would be like, stop crushing my dreams. <laughs> um, and, and as I grew to understand this, now I can call my mom and say, here's my idea. Tell me why it's not going to work. And then I can hear, and you know, in her, not all the time, but in her mind, she's being helpful for like, here's all the different reasons why this won't work. I actually need that because otherwise I'm going to launch the idea and it's a disaster and I could have changed a few things and then it would have worked. Um, so I think that S and N preference working together really balances each other out. I one time did um, some like family counseling with a, with a family and the, um, just around my Briggs, but the husband of the family was a pastor at a church that was in the middle of a dream vision planning time. His preference was S, sensory. And he said, as we talked through this, he said, I have felt like such a failure because I can't come up with the ideas. I feel like I'm just falling short. But if people tell me the idea, I can make it happen. And again, like one is not better or worse than the other. Um, and he was like, this helps me. And I was like, well, if everybody was only dreaming of the ideas or everybody was only uh, like thinking about the practicality of it, Neither, like it wouldn't, it doesn't work to balance each other out. Um, i trying to think of some other people with an end preference prefer like new ways of doing things. Sometimes I like to just like, I don't know, drive a different way just to do something different, order something different just to do something different. People with an S preference tend to prefer uh, like a more routine way of doing things. Um, I'm trying to think of other. Do people feel okay with choosing one of these? Maybe a little less. Does anybody want to ask any questions? Yeah. Does it, um, I feel like I'm in between these two. Yeah. Um, I feel like I can operate in either realm. Yeah. Does it, could this be influenced a lot by the person that you're with? Like, sure. Like my spouse is yeah. intuitive. Yes. I keep being something. Yes, yeah. And I think um, in order to like, figure out what of the 16 types you would be if you were to choose the one that you think uh, is like your most natural preference. You might be able to get a clearer read around this. But I would say, yeah, and especially um, like if we're somebody who values harmony, then and when we're with other people, we know that if we don't balance that out, then there's going to be disharmony, then we might tend to default more to that one or the other. Um, I don't know if that helps a little bit. Um, people, you feel like you can make a choice? Yeah. Okay. Some people are yes, and some people are still processing. Uh, if you think that you have a S or sensing um, preference, can you raise your hand? Okay. Great. Uh, if you think that you have an N or intuitive, can you raise your hand? Okay. Great. Awesome. Um, okay. I'm going to go to the next one. Uh, T stands for thinker, F stands for feeler. 
Um, I think within Christian circles, this is one of the most, um, I don't know, confusing, or like people think in order to be loving, you have to be a feeler. Um, and I'll talk through both of these, but I think we can find examples of Christ being both of these things. Um, and so thinkers in general decide with their head, they go by logic. Um, they want things to be just and fair. Um, they look at things objectively in a situation. Uh, I'll come back to this spontaneously critique in a second. Feelers um, decide with their heart. They go by personal convictions. They're concerned with things like harmony in relationships. Um, they put themselves in the situation to ask how might I feel if that I was in that situation. Um, and I think like we see Christ being super direct with people in times when they needed it, and we also see him being like, let the little children come to me. And so I, I before have talked to Myers-Briggs with some particular like Christian women who are like, I'm a feeler, and I like, where I'm like, you are not. <laughs> and in, in, like there is not one that is a better value. I think there are times where being a thinker could be super hurtful to people that you're around. There are times that we're operating with a feeling preference can be super hurtful to people that you're around. Um, for this spontaneously critiques or spontaneously appreciates, I'm a feeler. And so I, like, sometimes it is hard for me, um, like, I'm a writing teacher and it's fine. I can critique students' writing. That's part of my job. There are other situations where it's more like, come up with the reasons why this is, like, this is what needs to be fixed about this. And I'm like, well, I can tell you what's good about it. Um, my older brother is a um, thinker, and growing up, there were lots of times where he just was like overly direct, in my opinion, <laughs> overly direct, and I was like, that is so rude. Um, also, there are times where I was overly like encouraging about things, and it wasn't really true. <laughs> so there was one time when we were on a road trip, and we have a friend that's like really good with maps, and she was like... I'm horrible at maps, I don't know. So she was like navigating us all around. Like she had like, my, my other brother was running this marathon and she had like mapped out with like a highlighter. This had this whole plan for us for the day. And we like get in the car and my brother like puts the car in reverse. And I'm like, Mark, isn't she amazing? Like look at that map and blah, blah. And he's like, we've gone nowhere. We have not gotten there yet. And I'm like, it's so rude, but also true. So I think, um, like, <laughs> Like, this is, um, especially with students, I think, I, so I work with middle schoolers, and this is something where I feel like particularly thinkers haven't always gotten it under control yet. Um, and so they say things that are so overly direct, um, and, and they're not trying to be hurtful. I mean, sometimes they are, but like a lot of times they're not. Um, I also think thinkers can feel connected when they've had conflict, um, and feelers can feel really disconnected. And so, um, even for instance, in a staff meeting, you might have a time where um, somebody who is a thinker is being um, overly direct or what might feel like overly pushy to other people in the room, and they have no idea. Um, or a feeler might have their feelings very hurt um, and not have expressed that. I think as a, I, I've grown a ton in this one because I think as like a, teenager, my feelings were hurt all the time, um, and it was like, there are times where I had to just be like, this is not, like, this, objectively, this is not, this is not a, this should not be a hurtful thing to me, I should be able to receive this criticism, um, 
and or I should be able to give some direct feedback. I also know, like, we maybe even subconsciously you know this, like, if you've had a really bad day and you want to, if you're somebody that would, like, call somebody else about it. I have friends I'm not going to call because they're going to be, like, they're not going to, they're not going to have sympathy for the situation. Um, if I am, but there are also friends that, like, when I need someone to be, like, get it together, that I'm going to call because, because we need both of those people in our lives. Um, and so knowing the value and the benefit of thinking and feeling. Um, and I think as a teacher too, right? Like there are times where we might have students who need a little more, like they're valuing harmony and they might feel um, over directness from us in a way that doesn't bring out the best in them. But also we have a responsibility to say things that are honest and truthful to our students. So if we're only like, you're great all the time and there are things that students need feedback about, we're not helping bring out the fullness of them. Um, do you feel like you can choose? Do you need more information? Okay, if you think that you have a thinking preference, can you raise your hand? Okay, cool, cool. If you think you have a feeling preference, can you raise your hand? Okay, great, great. Um, any questions on this one before I go on to the next one? Are we good? Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, I guess I would ask, um, do you, um, are you a more objective person? Like, do you think, look at a situation from outside of it, or do you put yourself in the situation and ask how you would feel? Um, I'll say this statement, but sometimes this makes people more confused, so if this makes you more confused, then erase it from the brain after I say it. Um, thinkers more often like to be appreciated for what they do. Feelers more often like to be appreciated for who they are. So I, when someone says to me, like, you did a really good job on that, I'm like, I know, I don't care that you said that. It's fine. But, but feel, but if someone said to me, this part of you, like, here's this, I appreciate how th that when you did this, that this is the part of you that we, whatever, that was brought to that. Then I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you. Um, does that help? Okay. All the feelers are like. Um, okay. J or P, um, J does not stand for judgmental, P does not stand for perceptive. So in general, people with a J preference like things that are, they are like structured, decisive, organized. In general, people with a, pre, a P, P preference are like spontaneous, go with the flow, sometimes indecisive. Uh, if you have a J preference, as I've been describing these things, you would probably more likely be making a really quick choice. <laughs> because you feel better once the decision's yeah. been made, even if it's wrong. <laughs> and if you have a strong P preference, you more likely would be waiting until the very end, and even then you're like, oh, I don't really want to choose. <laughs> uh, sorry if I'm reading your mail. <laughs> um, 
This is, I would say, uh, what's interesting too is like how our natural preference doesn't always work in a classroom. So like I spent my first year of teaching um, looking for things that I lost because I had no organizational structures in place. And so then I was like, I better figure this out because I, I don't want to uh, spend all this time looking. Do I still lose stuff? Absolutely. Um, I, people with a J preference um, do really feel better once a decision's been made, and so sometimes that means they make decisions too quickly. Um, people with a P preference do feel better when the options are open, and so sometimes they wait so long that the opportunity passes them by. Um, I'm trying to think of other things to maybe say. Um, I, like, I, as with a P preference, um, I, in general, know where my stuff is, but like my room at my house is a disaster. Like it's just covered in stuff. Um, and people who don't know me think they're like surprised about that. <laughs> because things about my life look organized and or I can be organized when I need to. When, um, the camp that I volunteer at in the summers, there's a week of programming that I help direct for girls that are nine to 12 years old. Before that week, I do tons of organizational work because when I'm there at that week, I want to be able to be present and I don't want to have to do that organizational work. It probably takes me twice as long as it would take somebody else, but I make the choice to say, I want to be able to show up and be present, and so part of that means that I have to do this pre-organizational work. Um, I also think, like, if you have a J preference, sometimes it can be hard to have to, like, um, course correct or like something comes up and I would say this is true for students in my class like where there's times where something changes around the schedule that we have no control over and we all know those kids in our class who, they're gonna lose it because that was not what they wanted and that was not what they were thinking that was not what they were planning on and so what does it look like to maybe anticipate that I would say even like I have students where I know that they would really like I give them an extra schedule because they just want to have it and like carry it around with them because it makes them feel better. There are other people where they could care less about the schedule. In fact, they don't even want it to begin with. Um, do people, can you choose one of these? Okay, if you think that you have a J preference, raise your hand. Awesome. If you think you have a P preference, raise your hand. Okay, okay. Um, Here's my thoughts, because uh, I think the next step is like, how do we apply it? Can I give you like four minutes to talk with the people next to you about anything you want to that you are, like, are your thoughts from this first part? Okay, ready, go. Okay, I What were you saying to me? I totally... I can't decide. I don't, I don't know. Between the, te the thinking and the I S, and then I picked J, but I don't know the T and the and the other one. I fifth grade. Third and fifth math. What's the other one? T. Oh, feeling. Thinking and feeling, right? Is there one that you say like? You're surprised I'm not a T and I'm more of an F? Yeah, yeah. I guess I 
Yes, but the feeling thing with the whole likes for me, I think I'm kind of okay. Maybe I'm stuck on that. For the most part, yes. That's more thinking. Oh, see, that's true too. That is true too. And then I'll answer a couple questions, and then I also know that it's the end of the day and people's brains are kind of maybe fried. And so I don't like when things go longer than they're supposed to. So I'm going to plan to be done around 425, and if you want to stay and ask me any questions, I'll answer anything. And if you want to unload your brain from the day and piece out of that door, then you're good. Sound good? Um, okay. So I think, like, what does it look like? Because Myers-Briggs itself is not a Christian tool. Um, but as Christians, how do we use it? And what does it look like when we can love and honor other people and give grace for people doing things that are different than what we do or preferring things that are different than what we do? And I think, are there ways that some of these preferences <coughs> can be hurtful? Yes. But are the, is the preference itself like a moralistic better or worse? No. So, for instance, like extroverts and introverts, um, <coughs> Sometimes, like in a classroom, an extrovert needs to process externally before they can get something done on paper. And so when we say to a room, everybody, here's all the stuff that I just told you, now write about it. That's the kid who's going to to the person next to them because they can't get there yet. And so, so something that I try to do sometimes <laughs> is to say, hey, I, wanna, I want for you guys to write about this. 
Um, if you want to conference with me for 30 seconds or something before you go, then go for it. If you're ready to start writing right away, then go for it. So like give, give them an out to be able to have a conversation with somebody else. Or in some of that like interaction of what I was saying of um, even just to say, hey, today we're going to be talking about blah, 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 and have it on the board. Or like if we have a morning question of something, I try to have it on the board so that when the kids come in, and I more often see the introverted kids say, like go up to the board and read the question ahead of time. Um, if you are, like for instance, in a staff meeting, if there's something that you need to discuss the next day, there are people who are not going to be able to express their opinion around it unless they've had time to think about it. And you can't do that with everything, but when you can do it with stuff, it's worth it because you're going to get better information out of people who have had time to process. Um, and introverts may need more process time. Um, for N and S, um, this one is funny to me because I have... Um, when I, there are some coworkers who, when they send emails, I can tell that they have an S preference because it is full of so many details, and I cannot understand what they're trying to say. And so, literally, just bolding or highlighting what you want me to know is huge. So even like, to, and I think same thing when I'm sending like a weekly update to parents. There are parents who need all of the details and all of the information. And so best that I can, I'm going to provide some of those specific details. Also, if there's something that is like the most important for, thing for somebody to know, I'm going to bold it. Because it helps both people be able to process through that information. Um, I also think like knowing what, what my preference is and then uh, if you have an S preference, to know that maybe sometimes you don't need to tell the person why it's not going to work. <laughs> and if I have an end preference, knowing that like I'm going to try to partner up with somebody else who can help balance out my ideas. Um, depending on the age of your students, I feel like helping kids even be able to start think through thinking through this is beneficial. There was uh, previously I've taught seventh and eighth grade at different times, and we did talk about Myers Briggs. Um, what, uh, I don't know at different times, and when students can start to know some of those preferences in themselves, then I think it can help with, I mean, I had a student one year who was so creative and so abstract, like, had amazing ideas for projects. I had to say to him, like, I hear your project, I love the idea, do you think you have enough time to execute this? Um, and sometimes, and he would say, like, absolutely. And sometimes I would say, like, break it down, like, prove me, prove it to me then. And other times I would be like, all right, do it. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't because when you're in sixth grade, you, you need to have some missteps in order to hopefully figure it out later. But even as an adult, there's times where I'm like, do I have enough time to execute this project? Maybe yes, maybe no. And so I think helping give some like <laughs> grounding to the, um, the dream or some like helping a kid brainstorm something um, when they maybe wouldn't have the like idea around it, which is another way to help someone with an S preference. Um, thinkers and feelers. Um, I think that one maybe we just have to have more grace with each other about. <laughs> um, and to, to be, like I think hopefully it gives some self-aware, like it gives awareness when there are situations where we maybe need to operate in a preference that is not our first preference. Um, and so, and I think with students too, when I can have a conversation and say, hey, I don't think that you meant for that to be a hurtful statement. I think how they heard it though was maybe a little bit more like this. Um, 
working with, I mean, middle schoolers say the dumbest things. <laughs> and you have to have thick skin. But instead of saying, like, I mean, I have students that are like, that shirt is ugly. And it's like, hey, thank you so much for letting me know your opinion. I am not sure this was the right time, place, or way for you to do that. And they're like, oh. oh. And sometimes, I, you know, I think this, it's all like learning and growing. Um, and we all know adults who say things either direction they maybe shouldn't. <laughs> Um, but like, what does it look like to help kids see like, hey, being able to give feedback to somebody else that is direct and honest is not a bad thing. Or choosing to be more careful with our words is a beneficial thing. Um, I did an activity when I did my training for this where you had to like speak to the other person with their preference around thinker or feeler. And I was talking to this, it was like this pretend scenario and this person was coming in late to work. And so I, in this pretend scenario, said to this person, like, hey, I'm, I've noticed you've been coming in late to work, and I just wanted to check in, like, are you okay? Is something going on? Is there something that I can do to help support you? And this man that was in, our, was in the group with me was like, that is stupid. She didn't hear, she's late, and she needs to be on time, and you need to say that. And I was like, okay. I'm like, what did you hear in what I said? And this woman was like, I heard... I've been late, it's a problem, and you're gonna help if I need it. And I was like, okay. And he was like, she didn't say that though. She was like, he was, she was so I think sometimes understanding the words that we're saying and what people are hearing are not exactly the same. And so with thinker and feeler, I think for students and for adults that that can help. I mean, you may have that coworker where you're like, they're rude all the time or they're fluffy all the time, and it may just be a thinker or feeler disconnect. Um, J and P, um, for, I think for people with a, students with a P preference, they may need more help structuring timeline of projects and when things are due. Um, and so helping kids be able to kind of like parse out some of the timeline stuff can be helpful. Um, I also think, um, I mean, this, this is like, starting and stopping meetings on time or um, like some of those other like on time values that that's where there can be a disconnect with this one and that can be with coworkers too so like there are times where I've said to people like when we say whatever when we say 430 is it an on time 430 or is it like a what's and it's and and different people mean different things so uh, the people that I was meeting to drive down here with today, we were meeting at my house at 6.30 this morning, and the first person showed up at 6.05, and the last person showed up at 6.35. And so, like, when we know people, we kind of know how they operate, but, though, but being able to have conversation instead of, like, assuming, like, well, that's rude that person was late, or that's rude that person was early, to not put a value judgment on people's preferences. Um, okay, this, I just put my email on there. If you wanted this handout, I can email it to you and or if you have questions, you're welcome to email me. But do people have other, like either questions or comments or things for the good of the group? Yeah. Um, the Enneagram is kind of like this. Yeah. And there's a Richard Moore, uh -huh. like he wrote a big book on the Enneagram. Yeah. I think it applies to this. He says it can be whatever your preference is can be your greatest strength and yes. also your greatest sin. Yes, yes. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a great book. Yes, yeah. And I, I'll close with reading one scripture. Um, 
but I think it is like these like there are things about how God has made us to be like when I so I would say my preference is ENFP and there are things about that that I have seen God use in really powerful ways in my life um, and in the lives of other people when I'm open to letting him use me and those things there are also ways that I can see that that has been really hurtful and harmful to me and to other people and so part of I feel like better understanding ourselves helps us kind of get some things in check that would unintentionally hurt ourselves or other people. Um, so I'll just, I'll close with reading and then if, if anybody has, if there are introverts in the room that don't want to ask a question in front of the whole group but want to come up afterwards, I'll be here. Um, I'm going to read, from, this is from 1 Corinthians 13, but I'm going to read it from the message version. Um, and I think there's so much thinking that we can do. Really, ultimately, hopefully this is about, like, what does it look like for us to love other people and love them well? Um, and that we have annoying students, we have annoying coworkers, we have annoying family members. We are annoying sometimes. <laughs> like, so what does it look like for us to meet people with, with love and grace in a way that I feel like... Um, God has so much love and grace for us. And so how do I, how, like, I, maybe even just a takeaway question of, like, what does it look like for you to use Myers-Briggs as a tool to better love other people in your life? So, um, and maybe you've heard 1 Corinthians 13 8,000 times. So sometimes I like to listen to it in another um, translation because it changes my ears differently. So um, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love I'm nothing, nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what you say, what you believe, what, what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't reveal, oh, sorry, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in flowering, the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, and keeps going to the end. So we'll close with that, but I'm happy that if people have questions or whatever. There's a couple resources on there, and here's what two of them look like if you are somebody who likes Amazon. Or your local bookstore. So thanks. Right, thank you.